Hey. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns. Uh, we're getting here, guys. Uh, we're going to start to do some positional group analysis. Um, you know, Mark, we had on very early in the process last year, very early in the infancy of uh, Locked On Browns. And, you know, we talked quarterbacks because, I mean, we were crap. We were on draft quarterbacks by what, guys? Probably before Halloween. Uh, Mark came, in, came on, gave us some great thoughts. Uh, Baker Mayfield was one. Now that Baker's here now, we're going to get you through some rookie review. Obviously, you know, some changes that could be coming. Because you, you're going to have some concerns about whether or not how Baker's going to be handled here. And this should probably be, be the key to it. Uh, the defense, you kind of understand where they're going. Uh, they are a solid group, and you have depth at all levels. But this net he- next head coaching hire, you got to make sure that it's going to, you know, perfectly align with number six and that should be the key for sustainable success for the next everybody wants to say three to four years guys i want to say more like eight to ten you know have a pittsburgh run where year in year out you are right in it up until week 16 week 17 but from inside the pylon also the host of lockdown patriots and you know does uh you know some, some comments over pro football weekly uh one of my favorite guys in the business guys if you do not like the podcast then you can blame mark schofield he's part of the reason why i'm here but Mark Schofield, uh, kind enough to join us here tonight. We're going to do some Baker talk and some you know, playoff talk as well. Jeff, my friend, what is going on, buddy? It's always a blast to be with you. Um, of course, you know, Mark, we go a ways back in, you know, the kids. And look, you're still a little bit of, a little bit of the younger era. And, you know, that's great, buddy. It, I hope you enjoy every second of it. Y- yeah, I mean, the kids are younger. I'm not younger, man. I just turned the big four, too. So we're getting up there in years, my friend. You're catching me. You're catching me. So I, I got about three years on you. Um. Yes, but you're still dealing with you know, some more of the smaller problems. Uh, for me now, the girls are 12 and almost 11. Oh, no, no, no. The problems are not small anymore. Even the most minute of an issue is a major freaking issue, bro. Yeah, I, I believe me. I mean, my daughter, she just turned five, and I, I can tell you that those days are coming where, yeah, I, I just, my wife and I literally were commenting to each other the other night, like, man, when she's 13, we are in trouble. And, well, here's the key, um... Try to get her to pick your side early because there's two of them. So, you know, we, we've got our escape plan. Like me and the oldest, yeah. we would go our separate way. My wife and the youngest, they'd live a great life together. You just kind of got to play your boundaries and you got to go zone coverage with it and re- like realize, like, look, I'm better off covering her. So make yeah. sure the coverage gets funneled this way. You got that one. But, yeah, guys, it- uh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, it's very much sort of the Bill Belichick game plan where, look, I will take one. I will lock down the number one problem, and then my wife and the cat can handle the other one. That's kind of the way it goes. <laughs> and if you guys don't know Mark's cat, uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, definitely uh, the cat provides for a great Twitter feed. I don't know maybe if she's worthy of her own yet, but, yeah, the cat's definitely got the, uh, the eye. Yeah, that he does, that he does. All right, uh, guys, we're going to get in here. But, uh, Mark, first things first. Uh, you know, Baker, it, it, you know, look, it seemed the number one overall pick. It did seem odd that he just didn't roll into a starting job right away. But whatever, be that as it may. And there were plenty I talked to who said that maybe this was a good thing. Just to put a little one more checker on Baker's shoulder to make him wait a little bit. But, look, you know, the Browns had a place uh, plan in place. But we got 13 and a half games of Baker Mayfield this year. And Mark, you know, the quarterback guy that you are, and I know you were high on his accuracy, and a lot of people felt that, you know, the arm strength was underrated, but, you know, give me your thoughts here. I mean, I think when you sort of look at the body of work Baker Mayfield put together, you have to 
believe that the Browns got it right when they drafted him with the first overall pick. And, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, you sort of bring up the idea of one more thing to add to Baker Mayfield's, you know, shoulder and the chips that are growing there. Are we surprised in any way that that could actually be the case in the sense that this is a guy that has always used external factors as a way to self-motivate. I mean, we saw the stories during his draft process where he was saving screenshots of articles to his phone to look at when he was in the weight room. You know, I wouldn't be surprised that he was mad at the Browns to begin with because they didn't call him fast enough when they were on the clock with that first (laughs) overall pick. You know, he's a guy that is just a, a wizard at finding ways to motivate himself. He will always be a double walk on in his mind. That's just the way that he's built. And sometimes the great ones, they have a bit of that insanity streak to them, whether it's a Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school basketball team and bringing that guy to his Hall of Fame speech, whether it's Tom Brady, who will always be picked 199 in his mind, even though he's going up on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is on that level yet, but he's got that sort of ability to find motivation from within. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when all of that went down the past couple of weeks with him and Hugh Jackson, This is who Baker Mayfield is. That's who you drafted. You drafted a guy, A, to play quarterback, but B, to change the culture in Cleveland. And he's done that. This organization has done that faster than I think many people expected. I think, you know, I I was looking at this as a team that, you know, I was thinking maybe six and seven win, and they kind of got there. But for a lot of people, they weren't expecting this kind of run and to be in the playoff mix into week 15. And so, I think it was an incredibly successful rookie season from him. I think if you look at where he is as a quarterback, and I know we're going to get into the on-the-field stuff in a sense, I I think there are still some areas where he can improve. I think the decision at the head coaching spot and the offensive coordinator spot are critical for their whether they're going to have that three to four or eight to ten kind of year window. But I think if you're a Browns fan, you know what? Looking at this team right now, you have to be, I'd say, overjoyed with where they are headed into this offseason, given the fact that you've got the two guys to build around in Miles Garrett on one side of the ball and Baker Mayfield on the other. You've got some cap room. You've got some people that are going to be potentially available in free agency to address some of the needs at a couple of different positions. And you can go into draft the draft not having to draft for need, but you can kind of go best player available throughout the draft process depending on how you address things in free agency. This is a team that I think is in position to make that kind of run. It's just a matter of getting a couple of decisions right over the next couple of months. Yeah, and, and for those, like, everybody, it was like, you know, everybody, like, loved to get their Cleveland Browns jokes in for years, and every national pundit in every one of those guys, but now all of a sudden where Baker Mayfield said, you want to know what, we're done with this, and, you know, that's what that was the statements in what he was doing with Hugh Jackson, but now all the pundits, oh, well, Baker Mayfield, I mean, is it, like, because he stole the material, guys? Like, w- what's the problem? You know, you guys all said, oh, well, this team deserves better, this fan base deserves better, they get better, and all of a sudden it's like, well, well why is the quarterback running his mouth? He's that player. Oh, he's he that dude. That he's leader, that dude in okay? every way he goes. And are you surprised? Let's think back to his pro day. Remember his pro day. Hugh Jackson was there being interviewed in the bubble on the campus at Oklahoma. And he basically told the story of how when Baker Mayfield walked into that practice bubble, everybody snapped to attention everybody's eyes went to where number six was. He was the Pied Piper of that team. And I got to tell you, it was like that down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. When he walked into the practice field, 
the mood, the atmosphere just changed on a dime. And watching that Thursday night game against the Jets on TV, yep. the same exact thing happened when he walked into the huddle. He is that immediate injection of energy into a huddle, into an organization, into a team, whatever atmosphere he's in, he is that guy that flips the switch. And that's who teams, that's who players want to play for. You know, part of the reason why I love Deshaun Watson when he was coming out was you look at him in that national championship game against Alabama. He gets helicoptered by Reuben Foster, one of Alabama's best defenders, and he pops right up. And if you're on the sideline, if you're in the huddle next to him, you say, I want to go play for that guy. I want to go lay my body on the line for that guy because he's leading us to the promised land. It's the same thing with Baker Mayfield. He just does it in a different way, but he's that motivating type of guy that players want to go play for. And that's sort of an underrated thing here as we get into free agency. Look at Jarvis Landry right now on social media, going out there and doing some recruiting and trying to get some guys to come to Cleveland. Last year, guys probably didn't want to come to Cleveland. No. Now, guys probably want to go play with Baker Mayfield, with Jarvis Landry, with Miles Garrett. They see something growing and building in Cleveland, and guys are going to want to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get like that, you know, I mean, you know, I guess it's the swagger or whatever, but that comes. And next year, you know, we kind of realized, and, you know, John Dorsey told us, the reason we're making these trades are we don't know if free agents are going to come here unless we make this prettier. And by bringing in a Randall, you know, and, you know, the moves they made, and obviously Tyrod Taylor, and, and, you know, the moves they made, it was like, maybe this will be enough. Oh, now it's definitely a sellable product. And the thing is, they're in a good spot where they can kind of maybe just look at one or two guys with a bunch of cap space because they're going to have guys who extend here shortly and then focus in on the draft. So, I mean, it's almost to the point where now where it's like just coming to Cleveland might not be enough because we only need a certain dude or two to do a couple of things. But we're going to get in a little bit more of that that, uh, that stuff here with Mark Schofield on Locked on Browns. Mark, um, just an overall flip of the script. Uh, You know, Freddie Kitchens, me and Pete Smith were sitting here. We called him Todd for about two weeks. Uh, Then we finally got our game right and we called him by his correct name. But in over eight games, it's tough to just, you know, I mean, to remove yourself from the moment. But it's eight games, and it was one of the best eight-game stretches that's gone on here in a long, long time. They had a really nice relationship and a really nice rapport to them. And I think the thing that kind of impressed me with Freddie Kitchens is, Freddie Kitchens is he kept everybody involved. Whether you were the third tailback, whether you were the third tight end. And that's how everybody shows up day in, day out, willing to put in the work because... They know there's a really good shot that their number is going to get called at least one point on Sunday in the game. Yeah, and I think, Jeff, when you sort of look back at how that sort of run began, when they made the move to put him in as sort of the temporary offensive coordinator, the interim offensive coordinator, what was one of the first things Kitchens did? He said, I'm going to sit down with Baker Mayfield and see what he wants to run. I'm going to sit down with him and see what he's comfortable running. That should be the job of every, whether it's you know an offensive head coach, you know, who's calling plays like a Matt Nagy or an Andy Reid or an offensive coordinator who's going to be calling the plays for a defensive-minded head coach is to sit down with your quarterback and go through the playbook and say, okay, this is what you like. Okay, great. What don't you like? Okay, it's out. Now give me your college playbook. Give me your high school playbook. I don't care. Give me a Pop Warner playbook. Whatever plays you've liked to run at any point in your football career, let's find a way to use them here and now because there is no more No better way to get your quarterback comfortable and then productive than giving him designs and schemes that he's familiar with. Familiarity breeds success on the football field. If you're running stuff that you were running back at Oklahoma when you were putting up huge numbers and getting to the Rose Bowl and getting to the playoffs and planted a flag at Ohio State, they'll work in the NFL. 
I mean, look last year. Andy Reid, Alex Smith, they went back to the Urban Meyer playbook back at Utah. They put some of that stuff into the game plan. Alex Smith had one of his best years as a pro last year doing stuff like that. Coaches should do this all the time for their quarterbacks. And that was the most important move Freddie Kitchens did. It showed to me that, look, he knows how to develop a young quarterback. And that's why if I'm John Dorsey, I'm finding a way to bring Kitchens back. I don't care what you have to do to make that happen. You see what happened over the past eight weeks or so. That's what you've got to do for the because you've got to maximize this window now with Baker Mayfield on a rookie deal. It's the biggest competitive advantage you have. Look at the playoffs right now. Of the 12 teams, seven of them, that's if you count the Eagles, have a starting quarterback, obviously once it's hurt, but have a starting quarterback on their rookie deal. It's the biggest competitive advantage you can find in today's NFL because it allows you to, like Chicago, go out and make moves for Khalil Mack or like the Rams and you're going to get Ndamukong soon, Aqib Tlaib. This is the sort of situation the Browns find themselves in where they can use the cap space, go sign players to fill in the pieces that you need, maximize this window. That's what they have to do. I mean, I could not agree with you more. And for me, it's, you know, and it like, you know, and I'll go to, I'll skip a question here, make it earlier in the rotation. But everybody's all over me. They're like, oh, you know, when we're establishing team needs, uh, the defense now, which had been the strong point for a few, uh, more than a few seasons here, is not, uh, you know, if they're giving up consistently 26 and 27 points in the, the games the Browns are losing, the Browns are putting up 24, 23. That should be enough. So pour the money into the defense. And then this is one where, you know, look, I, this team desperately needs a defensive tackle. They need some more athleticism at the linebacker position. Um, could you use another corner? Sure. Um, but people are coming at me with, oh, well, Baker needs the guy. And, you know, and, you know, I look at it this way, you know, you know, you know, because they say, oh, Del Beckham might be available or Mike Evans might be available. But here's my thing. The Browns were in it till week 16 in the playoffs without an Odell Beckham, without a Julio Jones, without a Mike Evans, who all those guys, their playoff dreams were done way, way before. The style of quarter, quarterback that Baker Mayfield is, does he need this true established one? And, you know, I, I will go back to w- when you brought up Tom a little earlier because Tom's, and in, in the term I've been using with this is they'll use the palette like a painter. They'll use every color. So if you're the guy who's consistently getting open, you're going to get the ball. I don't care if you're making $17 million or you're making, you know, eight hundred ninety-five grand. If that's where the play is dictating the ball is going to go to and you keep producing, you're going to get it. Does he need this massive, massive guy? See, I don't think he does. I think if you look at, you know, over the past couple of weeks and how that offense has run, they've done some great things schematically to put pressure on a defense from sideline to sideline where if you then go out and get an Odell or a Mike Evans, it's going to change what you do schematically. No, it's going to change what to the defense them. is doing. You're going to have to yeah. force some targets. You're going to yeah. have to. There's you, you can do things schematically without a true number one elite tier type receiver and still have success in the passing game you don't need a true top dog wide receiver you can get by with the guys that they have and maybe you add in somebody in this draft class of wide receivers you know whether it's at 17 or in the second round or at some point that could still come in and immediately produce in the scheme that they've put together over the past couple of weeks you don't need to break the bank to go get a wide receiver that you're going to be having to use sort of the randy ratio remember that yep. from the mikins days 
it, you don't need to do that. You can have a successful offense by going out and getting, you know, the kid from Arizona State or Metcalf, the kid from, you know, okay. Mississippi. You can do some things that way that will still be productive and you don't have to go break it in the bank for a wide receiver or giving up a ton of draft capital in a trade. Well, for me, it's also the you do not want to take away from one of the things that makes him great. Look, you know, he's got the talent, even though he's a smaller guy. Yeah, he's got all the arm talent. But a guy who can get to the line in his initial reads say, you know what, one's out of the question right off the bat. So now I'm looking at two, three, and four in my progressions. Don't take that away from him because if it's a guy like Odell Beckham who's going to say, I, you know, look, every great receiver, and Mark, you were a quarterback, I was a wide receiver. I was open every play. Right. And I'm sure every wide receiver you ever played with told you they were open on every play. Yeah. I don't think he needs that. I, I think he just needs to let me do my thing. Everybody's going to eat. It's good. Don't worry. Everybody's going to get their chance. Because you know, I'll find I'll find the niche where it is your turn. But you just got to be patient with it. And, and I think it's going to take away... Doing that would take away from one of his greatest abilities. Look, if there comes a time a couple of years down the road where you know the Patriots, when they brought in Randy Moss, there was we're literally losing nothing here. So you right. want to know what? If we want to add Randy Moss... Let's go nuts with Randy Moss. But it, it wasn't that they needed it. It was just that it was that beneficial and it was too hard to turn it up, at the, to turn it down at the time. Yeah, I mean, they basically gave up nothing to get Randy Moss. And, you know, it's not going to be like that if you're going to get an Odell or a Mike Evans right now. So they're, they're different sort of scenarios. Or, you know, an Antonio Brown, you know, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Now, um, one thing I do want to, oh, well, I, I got to throw an ad in here. Uh, guys, mybookie.com. As you know, if you're going to wager, uh, the most important thing we will suggest to you is who you're wedging with, not who you're wedging on. That's where mybookie.com comes in. Uh, they've been in the business for years. Uh, their online reviews are fantastic. The mobile site, clean, simple, easy enough to use. Uh, in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Um, use the promo code LOCKEDON25, guys. Uh, register your account after 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, get a free $25. Uh, I do prefer to bet during the playoff weekends. It's a lot smaller sample size. Um, it's a little easier to dig in deeper and you know read a little bit more. You know the, 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 to bet five six games a weekend just too difficult for me. Uh, but two on Saturday, two on Sunday. I highly suggest using mybookie.com here. Um, visit mybookie.com online today. M y b o o k i e dot com. Mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now. Mark, one of the biggest things is with moving on and the talk of moving on and whether it happens or not, but now you're basically putting Baker in, I don't want to say four separate offensive systems because I think there's been some carryover here, but he will have gone to Oklahoma, to the Hugh and the Todd Haley, to the Freddie Kitchens. If they move on from Freddie Kitchens, now here he is in less than 24 months in a fourth offensive system as a second-year guy coming off a strong rookie year is that something you get a little concerned about it's not something that i get too concerned about given how well we saw baker sort of make the adjustment from what he was running under lincoln riley to what he was running first under hugh and todd and then uh, under kitchens i think though it will sort of again stress the need for whomever is calling the plays next year kitchens or anybody else to have that sort of 
meeting of the minds with Baker Mayfield to get on the page with them where you understand as a play caller what this kid wants to run, the designs he's comfortable with, the things he doesn't like to run, and you make sure you sort of structure the offense around his talents. I mean, for so long, you know, covering the NFL, watching the NFL, we see these quarterbacks come out. And then their new offensive coordinators try to get them to function within the confines of their offense because this is what I've been calling for years. This has been my playbook for years. This is how it works. We're seeing more and more offensive minds sort of get away from that and sort of tailor their offenses around the talent on the roster and the traits from that quarterback. And so I think we're going to see more of that. And whomever comes in, you know, it's my understanding and belief that they will tailor this offense to what Baker Mayfield does as a quarterback. So that should ease any sort of concerns about fourth offensive system or so in less than two years. I, I do agree there because, I mean, you know, you, you're as we dub it, it's we, we dub it the golden goose. And that's what Baker, you know, basically is here. So, but as, as long as that can go in... And for me, the biggest thing is, and one thing people keep misunderstanding, and like they just like look at what they've done to this point. And Baker Mayfield was not the quarterback of this franchise for a full calendar year. I think a lot of fans underestimate what a second year within whether the system changes, but just the familiarity between you know receivers and Baker and the running backs, and they get together a little bit more, and everybody understands how each other works, and it just produces a better and better product that's going to be a huge asset as well yeah and you know when we go through this draft cycle with the next quarterback class or with every single quarterback class we forget a couple simple things about life itself we're talking about 21 22 23 24 year old kids and they're going through basically when their last bowl game is played or their last college game is played, they go through this draft process and they finally get drafted. They get onto a roster and into a rookie camp in May. And as they're doing that, for many of them, they're adjusting to life as an adult now for the first time where they're suddenly responsible for the mortgage, the insurance, the grocery bill. Paying your bill, cell phone bill. Paying exactly. the cell phone bill. Like doing those things that adults have to do. And for some of these guys, they're seeing things like snow for the first time, you know, because they've been in Florida their entire lives and now, now they're in Cincinnati and they're trying to figure out how to get to the practice field and things like that. And so there's this massive life adjustment, not just a football adjustment. And so for a lot of rookie quarterbacks you're really behind the eight ball in terms of figuring things out but then come that second year whether it's a new system or not you've established that you've put all that stuff down in place and so you don't have sort of that outside distraction and noise and you can sort of focus on your job which is playing quarterback in the National Football League. And over the past couple of years, we've seen some second-year quarterbacks make the kind of leaps that Baker doesn't need to make. You know, he doesn't have to make the leap like Goff made because he had a much better rookie season, of course, than Jared Goff. You know, Trubisky, he went from year one to year two. Now he's in the playoffs, you know, but obviously Trubisky struggled. Baker's got nowhere to go, I think, but up still because he's got that solid foundation now. You can just build on what he's already accomplished to date in the National Football League. But, you know, that rookie season is tough because it's compressed for these guys. They don't get into the playbook until May or so. Yeah, quarterbacks probably get it during the draft process, but still, it's a big adjustment. And so, yeah, you will see some natural development just given the time frame that's going to be taking place now from year one to year two. And he walks in. Now, you know, once it hit 2019, he's QB1 from day one. So, yeah. you know, and, and just a you know, little bit of swagger and like he can, I'm setting the tone here now early and this is what we're going to do and that type of stuff. 
Um, guys, it's Locked On Browns. Uh, Mark Schofield, host of Locked On Patriots. Uh, guys, you know, I will never say let's root for the Patriots, and Mark knows this. Uh, it's just, it's too deep. It's too tough. But um, you want to cover the Patriots throughout the playoff process. Mark does a fantastic job over at Locked On Patriots. Uh, you get, and the other thing is you're going to get a lot of football knowledge too. So go ahead and check out Mark Schofield and the Locked On Patriots podcast. All right, Mark, we're going to go to the playoffs here. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Mark. I, I thought maybe this was the year. Look, we knew they were going. But the fact that the Patriots actually were able to earn a bye with all that's gone on, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, played you know, a, a lot of you know these playoff teams already, um, but we're able to squeak it out. And, look, if any team could have used the extra week of rest, it's definitely probably the Patriots, you know, obviously with the age on the roster and, you know, Gronk, who's, you know, his age, but, you know, add about 15 years to it. Yeah, it's 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 been such a strange year, Jeff. And like you said, this they needed that buy desperately because you look at Brady, and while he had a pretty good game in Week 17 against the Jets, th- there were rumors whether they're true or not about a knee injury. I've heard MCL, I've heard meniscus. I haven't heard anything definitive, but you could tell that a game against Buffalo, he seemed to be laboring a little bit. He seemed to be sort of protecting that left leg a little bit. So you're hearing stuff about Brady's health. Obviously, Gronkowski, he's 29, but like you said, it's a hard 29. And not just because of how he lives in the offseason, because look, the way he plays the position, the shots that he takes, you know, the, you know, the hits that he takes, the hits that he absorbs, the lingering back injuries and knee injuries and things like that. He's got a lot of mileage on that body. And so it would not surprise me at all that this is Gronkowski's last ride. And he's been smart with his money. He lives off his endorsements. He hasn't spent a dime of his NFL contract money. He's probably got a second career waiting for him wherever he wants to go, whether it's the WWE or Oh, that's exactly where I would have said it. Absolutely. You know, look, you know he wants to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson 2.0. Like, that's what he wants to do. And he could probably go and have a fantastic career. Um, but this might be his last ride. And so this team desperately did need that buy. They got a little bit of help most notably from the Eagles of all teams, you know, who beat the Texans back in week 16 to get them in a spot to get that two seed. And now we wait. And what's interesting is even though they have that buy, even though, look, they were 5-0 and against playoff teams this year. They were the only team in the AFC that had a winning record against playoff teams. Yeah. Everybody else was either 2-2, two 2-4, and two, two and four, you know, the, the – the Chiefs had their struggles against teams in the playoffs. They were 5-0. and um, Now, four of those games were at home. And the problem with the Patriots this year, more than anything else, has been playing on the road, 3-5 and five on the road this year. Um, and now they might have to go into Arrowhead um, to win an AFC championship game. So there are still lingering question marks. There are still concerns about this team. But when you look around the landscape of the AFC – all of these teams have some holes, whether it's Kansas City in their defense, you know, whether it's you know Houston and the fact that while they're a good team, they're not a great team. They have some weaknesses yep. to the secondary. Um, Baltimore is kind of a one-dimensional team with Lamar Jackson right now. I think next year they'll make that kind of leap and they'll do more in the passing that, game. That, right that, now, that would be that uh, for me. That would be a dream matchup for them is to somehow get to face Baltimore in round two. Because if anybody's yeah. licking their chops to go after Lamar Jackson and play what they're running right now, you know Bill is going to pull out. He's going to come in with a big old playbook from 1967, yep. blow the dust off of it, and that's what they're going to run with. Yeah. I mean, if there's a team that probably scares me the most, it might be the Chargers because you look at how 
the Patriots are, have done a pretty good job at getting pressure on quarterbacks, but they don't have a ton of sack numbers. That plays to Phillip Rivers and his strengths as a quarterback because he's so good against pressure, so good against the blitz this year. I think he's getting the, 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 num- the number one or the number two quarterback rated against pressure this year. Him and Matt Ryan have been flipping back and forth all season long in that statistic. So, you know, that would set up well for them. And then you look at that Chargers defense with Bosa coming back with Ingram. They can get after quarterbacks. They've got some talent in the secondary. I think that's probably the toughest matchup out of any potential divisional round matchups that New England might have to face. I agree with you there. Uh, let's flip it up NFC-wise. Um, I think the fact that the Rams got the bye and the Saints got the bye, I don't know if that really hurts Chicago because I think their style of play would play well in whether it's a dome or whether it's going to be out in L.A. I, I think they can kind of bring the same type of game. The question is, is it going to be- benefit the Rams or is it going to be- benefit the Saints a little more being in their territory? I can understand it, but I don't think the Bears game, I, I don't see much problem translating it on the road. Now, I mean, if the big question I have about the Bears is, can they win this weekend? You know, I look at, you know, they're one of those young teams that has made that leap. And I wonder if we're going to see what we saw from the Rams last year, because the Rams, they make that leap yep. under Jared Goff. And the they, they, they don't know how to play in a playoff game, you know, and they come in. Atlanta comes to town, a team with some playoff experience coming off a run to a Super Bowl, and they lose that open around weekend. If the Bears can win this weekend, watch out. Because that will tell me, that look, they've figured it out. They know how to play in this sort of element now. They know how to handle sort of the postseason environment. That will give them that last boost of confidence they need. So if they win, they might be that team to sort of make that run to Atlanta in a Super Bowl. Because you look at how they would match up against the Rams. They've already beaten the Rams. You know, yep. Yes, that game was in Chicago, but wouldn't put it past them to go out into you know L.A. and win. And then you get an NFC Championship game in the, you know New Orleans – that Saints offense has sputtered a little bit down the stretch, you know, mm-hmm. week 16, week 17. So watch out if the if the Bears pull off a win this weekend. And, well, and the other thing is, look, I mean, obviously the Rams bring it too, but, I mean, you know, pass rush sometimes can just destroy playoff games. Yep. And, you know, you look at Khalil Mack, I mean, he could easily go through this with a, you know, a five to six, five to six sacks, you know, if he gets to play three games here and can literally, and look, and he's very... A guy who was going to, you know, not only sack the quarterback, you know, but a lot of times get forced fumbles along with it. He's a guy that scares the living daylights out of me if I'm any of those two teams, as long as they can yeah. get through Philly. And Philly's got a little of that mojo going. They do. Yeah, I mean, Philly does have that mojo again. But, you know, the thing with that pass rush is they will, that pass rush, that defense, it's been opportunistic all year. They will get some takeaways. All they need to do is get Trubisky a couple of short fields a game, one or two, and that will be enough to get, steal them a touchdown. You know, Maybe they get a scoop and score or a pick six along the way as well. Yeah, Foles has some of the magic, but one of the things to watch is when Foles has made, made some mistakes this year, he's thrown three interceptions the past couple of weeks. A lot of it has been coming from pressure situations, yep. whether it's that pocket sort of collapsing around him or he gets some pressure and a different sort of look in the secondary than we was expecting. Those are the things that the Bears can do as a defense. Yeah, well, I mean, he uh, he played the week three, which is the dress rehearsal of the preseason, you know, in Cleveland against the Browns, and they were able to control him, and it was the same thing. Yep. I mean, you know, look, no no quarterback likes everybody up in their face. Uh, it doesn't matter. So, but uh, you know, th- that's something the Bears can do, and it'll you know be interesting because you can't re- the weather's not really going to be a factor because you know, look, I'm here on the East Coast, guys. There's not much difference between Philly and Chicago. The wind wind might be a little stronger, but cold is just freaking cold. 
Guys, it's been Locked On Browns here. Mark Schofield from Locked On Patriots, Pro Football Weekly, and Inside the Pylon, kind enough to join us here this evening. We've gone through Baker and you know where he is at to this point. Uh, some talks about how the you know the changing of the coaching, if there is one, how it will affect him, how it will affect the team, whether or not this team truly needs a number one receiver that you guys all keep busting my chops about. Guys, they don't. They don't. We've gone to the AFC playoff picture. We've gone to the NFC playoff picture. Uh, Mark, before we let you go, uh, you know what's in the works here? Uh, you know, trip to Mobile again this year? Yeah, I'm going to be down at Mobile. Um, this will be my fourth year down in lovely Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Excited to go down there. Going to be covering quarterbacks for uh, Pro Football Weekly. Um, doing some work, obviously, for Locked On Patriots. Um, probably taking a look at the tight end group that will be down there, as well as the interior off defensive line. Excuse me, uh, that the Patriots might have to do that because look. They've got a decision to make with Malcolm Brown and Danny Shelton. Those neither guys under contract for next year. That's something to watch. Thanks for Browns that. Thanks for that third round pick. You're welcome. Maybe Browns fans might want to keep an eye on Malcolm Brown when they play in the division round. Throwing that out there, and oh, I might no, keep no. an eye on edge guys. Uh, Trey Flowers. The Patriots have a decision to make there. If it were up to me, they would break the bank and play Trey Flowers. But look, a lot of teams are going to throw a lot of money at Trey Flowers, who's fantastic this year. So um, I'll be watching the edge guys there as well. But that's what I got rolling on. Best place to find me at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Yeah, of course. And guys, uh, you know, like I said, Locked On Patriots podcast. You know, the uh, the brotherhood over there, and it'll be nice. There'll be a crossover next year, Mark. There's going to be a crossover yeah, we'll next be year. Excited for that. Yes, 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 yes. And who knows? Maybe twelve won't be there. And that would be even better for me, so I can come in like the big guy in the room. And the gift you would that, be the big guy in the room. That would yes. be that would be an adjustment for everybody in Patriots Nation when when life after Tom actually comes upon us. <laughs> it's my God, I can't believe it's gone as long as it has. And God bless him for it. I mean, still playing at the level he is. That you know, forty one years old. Oh my God. I mean, yep. it's just damn impressive. I mean, like you said, Mark, you just turned forty two. I'm forty four. I can't get out of bed in the morning when I'm not in pain. So, I mean, I don't know how he's doing it. It must be that avocado ice cream. Yes. You know, I probably should put that on the shopping list, buddy. I should. <laughs> don't don't uh, do it. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if, if Mark says so, I agree with him. Um, yes, no, um, yeah, no, no way in hell. Uh, guys, uh, Locked on Browns is a Twitter account. We always keep it follow back. The... Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead and give a follow over there. Um, guys, uh, for Mark's work, for my work, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, the Locked On NFL Net account, everything goes, you know, funneling through there. So go ahead and check everything out over there. Um, guys, as we always say when we put a bow on this, and before I do it, guys, look, it's been a great week. We're just going to keep it up. Look, we got a coaching search, we got free agency, we got Senior Bowl, we got Combine, uh, Draft. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff to carry us through here, uh, you know, from what is walking away from a very, very promising 2018 season. But as we said, we put it to bed. LGB on the LOB, guys. Let's go Browns.